Well, you know, as we make our way into Harvest 2023, there are a number of issues on the table that we are watching unfold before our very eyes. Weather is obviously a huge one as we have seen the maturation of crops get curtailed by a lack of rain. And that, of course, has fueled the conversation about potential yield and final production numbers. And then there's, of course, demand, probably more accurately, the lack of demand. So the expectation for changes in next week's USDA report on Tuesday? It's a source of a lot of discussion as well. And Allendale released their estimates this week. David Coley's got those numbers for us, and that's where we will start our conversation next with Coley and Kavanaugh and this week's Market by the Numbers. The guy is, of course, brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. The key word there is support. You know, I like the way the Farm Bureau supports 4-H and FFA kids and uh, the way your membership supports the farm families that feed us. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org and consider getting yourself a membership. Well, guys, there are a lot of issues out there on the table. The U.S. closed its worst corn export season in 11 years here recently, and Brazil had its best in about that same period. We've been talking about this for a while with U.S. corn and soybeans. going to be a key theme going into harvest over this next few weeks, especially with the issues that we talked about at the Soil Health Field Day, about transportation on the inland waterways, about basis levels. We'll ask John about that in a minute. And, of course, storage as we're getting all this stuff out of the field. But, David, let's start with those numbers that came out of Allendale because they were telling. What are the numbers? Let's go over those. I'd be delighted to. Allendale says the U.S. corn crop is 14 billion 805, and they're looking at a yield of 171.51. And on the soybean crop, they're looking at a 4.1 billion bushel crop with the yield of 49. Not over 50, 49.58. So this makes us kind of take a deep breath in and kind of wonder because Allendale got yields from 25 states. They said it's 86% of the corn production, 82% of the bean production. So these numbers to me are very, very good. Yeah, you took a little (laughs) bit of uh, contention with those uh, when we were talking the other day at the Soil Health Field Day. What's too low? Beans, I'm not so sure about. Beans, I have a big question mark about the beans because August being such a crucial month and being so dry, especially in the western U.S. during most, not all, but certainly the last half of the month of August, you know, when things got terribly dry into early September. And how much did that affect soybeans? Well, we're going to find out, at least what the government says. But even that number is going to be a little bit questionable. The really most important numbers don't come out until October and November. This is just another indication, but it's going to be closer than what we saw in August. Frankly, the average trade dress is somewhat higher than what Allendale came out with. And I just personally think that their numbers are a little bit low. I look at some of their state-by-states and I have a problem. They've got Indiana corn at 193. Well, you know, that's pretty low compared to the fact that the government came out with 195 back in August. I don't think Indiana has suffered that much on its corn yield. Right. Soybeans, holy cow, they got soybeans all the way down to 57. That may be accurate, but Ohio, which, you know, the the condition ratings in Ohio last week actually got better. The corn (laughs) crop is rated 80%. Good, excellent. Wow. And Allendale's got their yield going down five bushels an acre on corn from last month. That makes no sense. That's the number that really sticks out in my mind. This is going to be a more important September report than usual. 
Yeah. Let's talk about demand to give us a sense about where we are as we uh, end marketing year. And I thought that statement from Stone X was great. You know, our worst corn export season in 11 years, Brazil's best. And export sales ending August 31st, 36.8 million bushels of corn. Mexico was the big buyer. Not a big surprise. Picking up 16.8 million bushels. China bought a paltry 3 million bushels. And that really tells the story right there about demand and how it's suffering because China's just been out of our market on corn. Soybean sales, much more consistent than corn lately. 71.2 million bushels got sold. 27 million credited China. 31.7 million to unknown, thought to be China. Put those two together, and uh, boy, they've been buying a lot of our soybeans, David. Yeah, they've been a huge buyer of our soybeans. And, you know, the big talk to me is that it's about like gasoline prices. One station has it at 450, another has it at 375. <laughs> Where are you going to buy gasoline? Well, Brazil's <laughs> price is under ours on both corn and beans, so it's hard for us to sell it, except our quality is a little bit higher usually. In any event, we've got some real issues here. You talk about transportation, and uh, John, that was one of the things we talked about. The Inland River system has really had some issues, and you had some interesting numbers about that to try and put that into perspective for farmers the other day. Yes, we've been having problems because of the drought conditions we've seen the last couple of years. The river's been very low and caused a lot of problems. Last year, the Mississippi River in Memphis got to 11 feet below normal. Currently, it's nine feet below normal and Mm. getting worse. And so it's almost as bad as last year. And what happens is, like last year, for example, because of the low river, you couldn't load barges to anything greater than 70% of capacity. So you effectively lose 30% of your freight. That causes the freight rates to go sharply higher. And what happens when the freight rates go sharply higher? Well, demand at the Gulf goes down. Because of that, it shifts to the PNW, like David mentioned before. So you lose some demand at the Gulf. Now, our market is dependent somewhat on what the Gulf values are. And that backs up into the interior. So when the freight rates go very high, all that freight comes backed off into the interior, causing a very cheap basis when you get into places like yeah. Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio. I was just going to say, you've told us so many times before, watch basis levels. And that's, that's like the obvious outcome of exactly what you're talking about on the river system. Basis levels drop, and all of a sudden, nobody's buying, and the basis levels aren't helping anything. And David, one of the things we talked about at the Soil Health Field Day was, okay, it's not going anywhere, so that means the storage all of a sudden becomes a premium. And it's like, boy, you better get your bins ready for on farm storage but it's for those that don't have on-farm storage uh that gets things all backed up as well of course it forces them to send it out to a big elevator you can put on delayed price but the charges for that keep ramping up and especially since the price is going to be getting lower and also if you're looking at okay i want to do something with options i buy calls and sell puts well if the market goes down you're going to lose money on both of those so it's really not the best situation to be in right now because you want to be cash and you know if you want a storable bin you've got to wait months years to get storable bins put into your property if you don't have it or you want to add to it, it's tough this year. But there is a lot of storage space out there, David. Keep that in mind. We did not have a problem last year with storage space, uh, isolated problems, but not a not a, a, a real 
huge problem, at least in our market. So that also affects the basis levels. But the straight problem last year, we got as high as 875% of tariff, which is extremely high. But we're already running uh, currently 42% higher than last year. So watch out. And for the farmers, expect the local elevators to have their storage charges. DP, delayed price charges, are going to have to reflect the cheaper nearby basis and the stronger deferred basis, which is your carrying charge, they have to cover that, so their DP charges are probably going to be fairly high. I agree with you. John, one of the things that you explained so well here the other day that I wanted you to review again, because we're seeing it unfold before our very eyes, and we're not going in a real positive direction, and that is on spreads. Explain the message that the spread is telling us and how that factors into pricing for corn and soybean. Well, because of everything we said for the high, uh, the fact that we do not have much demand, the fact that we have our carryover building sharply on corn this year, not so much soybeans, but certainly corn, is going to increase greatly. Then that builds in a carrying charge. And of course, the fact that the freight's so high and the basis is so cheap in the interior, you have what is called a carrying charge, and that's your spread. Your spread is the carrying charge are basically the same thing. And the market is trying to encourage storage Somebody's got to carry that corn, so the market's got to pay the uh, storage owners to store it, more or less. Therefore, the carrying charge widens out, the spreads widen out. And generally speaking, the spreads are widened out, that's bearish prices. And you said we're getting to a point where (laughs) what's normal and where we are today is uh, a little shocking. It is. It's very shocking. And we've been fighting this for a couple of years. You've got drought hurting our crops, and we've also got a hurting transportation and disrupting exports. And by the way, David, you mentioned how much cheaper Brazilian corn is. Currently, corn to China out of Brazil is a dollar a bushel cheaper than out of the U.S. Whoa. Holy cow. Incredible. (laughs) Okay, well, speaking of prices of things, I don't know how much this might affect the price of chicken going forward, but uh, David, you know that hurricane that blew into Florida here recently uh, at the moment they are putting the losses to poultry chicken specifically and john has told us so many times before that that is where most of the broilers are that means you know chicken on the dinner table about five million lost in the hurricane and they say that could go higher david yeah years ago uh, when i worked for central soy i used to go down to the national poultry convention in atlanta and your two biggest states of course are georgia and then florida's right behind and some others right beside them so that's something to keep in mind plus as john has noted cattle is a big issue in florida isn't that right john absolutely dairy cattle and beef cattle and that was one of the things that they also referenced in this article i got that as that hurricane came through it blew down a bunch of barns and blew over a bunch of fences and they they had cattle roaming the flooded streets as well. Yeah, they did. Yeah, we come to the point of the program where we're going to throw it over to Mr. Kavanaugh for his final word of the day. Well, there's something kind of interesting brewing out there. How, how many of you people have heard of sustainable aviation fuel, SAF? Well, it turns out sustainable aviation fuel is made from corn-based ethanol. And it's a big deal, you know, from the pollution aspect within the aviation industry. And the Biden administration currently is divided over whether to grant the U.S. biofuel industry billions of dollars towards subsidies for the sustainable aviation fuel made from corn-based ethanol. And so that's a big deal. They delayed the decision on whether or not to approve these subsidies until December. So we're going to talk about this later in the year because it's a big deal for the ethanol industry and therefore the corn market. 
Thank you, gentlemen. The visit each week with Coley and Kavanaugh is made possible by support from the Allen County Farm Bureau. You know, your local Indiana Farm Bureaus are supporting things like agriculture in the classroom, programs that educated over 40,000 kids, and political action that eliminated state inheritance taxes that accounts for as much as $300 million in savings annually here in the state. When you support the Farm Bureau with a membership, you're supporting the farmers that feed us. So even if you're not a farmer, please consider a membership. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.